right. How many of you guys are excited to be at New Life Church today? Come on, let me hear you. Come on. Yeah. I know, you got your coffee cup in your hand, you know, you're trying to sip it, and you're trying to be excited all at the same time. It's okay. It's all right. It comes from the heart, right? Uh, I'm not asking you to be excited just for the sake of being excited, but we are in, uh, we are in church today, right? That's awesome, okay? And we do get to worship Jesus today, amen? Okay, come on. So that's good. I want to welcome everybody uh, that's worshiping with us at any of our campuses, uh, Ogallala and North Platte, plus all of our online campuses that, I mean, we've got hundreds of uh, people that have joined us, so that's hundreds of little micro campuses all over the place. One church in multiple locations. Exciting, guys. That's the vision of our church, by the way. You know, the vision of our church, we, have a, we had a 10-year goal that we were shooting for. We called it a 10-year target. And uh, we're really believing that God wants New Life Church to be one church at five campuses, like solid churches where people are gathering together just like this, and then hundreds of online connections that are stretching all throughout Nebraska and the Midwest and around the world, by the way. And we are one church now in three campuses. We're almost there. Right, And today we're going to be talking more about what does it look like to be a part of a church planting movement because that's who we are. So we're not just about new life planting campuses. We're about God's church increasing its influence throughout the kingdom of God, which is the entire earth, right, with all people, seven plus billion people. We want to see a healthy, life-giving church um, being representative for all communities in all of Nebraska and all of the United States first, right, because that's kind of who we are. That's part of our vision, all right, because we want to see people find Jesus and lives change, amen? And that's why we're doing this series, Kingdom Builders, Kingdom Builders is our generosity in action, generosity in prayer, generosity in giving of our time, plus generosity in giving of our finances. We talk often around here at New Life that tithing, all right, is obedient giving to God. Giving God the first 10%, what he calls the first fruits in the Old Testament, that's, that's just obedient giving. What we do above and beyond that is true generosity. And I'm just going to tell you right now that being generous is a lot of fun. If you've ever been generous to someone, helped them out in a time of need, like been there, and God was able to use you, didn't you walk away feeling like, wow, that was a lot of fun. You might be exhausted from it, but it was a lot of fun. Generosity is a lot of fun to be a part of, and we call every single person, online or in person, to be a kingdom builder. Be a kingdom builder and be generous. And so we give you really three basic areas that we want to be generous in. First is global outreach. This is where we support all of our missionaries around the world and in the United States. It's also where we want to send you on a global outreach trip somewhere in the world outside of the United States. I have a vision that every single person at New Life would go on a foreign global outreach trip. Why? Because I believe that God will use it to radically change your life. The second area is future Christian leaders. And we want to seriously be investing into the next generation who are sensing a call of vocational ministry to rise up and become the next pastors, the pastor of this church, the pastor of future campus, to be a missionary that will go to the ends of the earth, to be a missionary that will go and live dead in a country. Live dead means that they'll go and they'll give their life, right? 
They'll give their life no matter what the cost is in countries that are anti-Christian, that don't allow you to preach the good news of Jesus. We want to send missionaries from this church around the world, future Christian leaders, and we want to be a part of helping other young people in our nation be called to full-time ministry and follow that call and see what God will do in their life. But thirdly, we believe that the local church must be expanding. So local church expansion, that's what we're going to talk about today. We just believe this, that you can only reach out as far and have as much impact as you are healthy here. That the local church cannot be forgotten. That in the, in the vision of missions, the vision of reaching the world for Jesus, we have to remember that Kearney, Nebraska, North Platte, Nebraska, Ogallala, Nebraska, and the surrounding smaller communities, that's our very first mission field. And if we don't give generously to make sure that mission field and the local church is healthy, then how in the world are we going to reach out around the world? But we also want to see other churches be healthy around our nation. And that's why we've partnered with Church Multiplication Network. Church Multiplication Network is a movement inside of our fellowship of churches around the nation and around the world that's focused on one thing. And that is this, planting healthy, life-giving churches in America where people find Jesus and lives are changed. And that from these healthy churches, then we can reach out to the ends of the earth. Do you know, guys, our partnership with Church Multiplication Network has helped over 4,000 churches in America be planted since 2008. Did you realize that if you're a kingdom builder and you're giving generously, that you actually participated in helping 153 brand new churches be planted Today, in the year of 2020, in the midst of COVID, brand new churches are still being planted. Did you realize that every church in its first few years has its most dynamic impact in seeing people find Jesus and lives changed? Did you realize that if you are a kingdom builder, you're building God's kingdom through planting churches, even in seasons and in years where new life isn't planting another campus? That's exciting to me. I don't know about you. And today you're going to hear more about that as my friend Jeffrey Portman, who is the director of Church Multiplication Network for the Nation and for the Assemblies of God, is here today at New Life Church, live with us to present God's heart. Give it up for Jeffrey Portman from Church Multiplication Network. Come on. Come on. Dude, look at that. It's like a magic trick. (laughs) There it is. Boom. There I am. It's under no smoke and no hat and no (laughs) rabbit, but magic trick, and there you are. All right, dude. It's all yours, man. Share your heart with us. We love it. All right. right. We're partners in this agenda to reach people that are far from Jesus and uh, to help them become all that God wants for their life. Come on. Come on. Come on. Love it. Let's make it happen. Don't you love your pastor? I know I do. I got to share dinner last night with uh, Pastor Jeff and Kim and you guys are blessed. Just pause right here. Sometimes you don't appreciate someone until they're not here. They're not going anywhere. I'm just saying, just appreciate what God gave you and take a moment just to say thank you. I'm fired up to be here. Listen, this is a great church. I would say this, Pastor, this is a fun church with a serious mission. And that's to see the gospel proclaimed and propelled around the world. I just pivoted. August 5th was my first day at my new job leading church multiplication for the Assemblies of God, and, and it's an incredible privilege, and we, we had pastored what's called New Hope Church, 
Um, outside of Seattle, Washington, we had five campuses around the Puget Sound. So we, when we talked on the phone, we were just in sync with this burden for multiplication, your three-focus thing you just talked about. So when I speak today, I'm humbled to have this opportunity, but also my heart is so in alignment with you. And the idea that um, Jesus is not our last hope, he's our only hope, is what I want to just anchor us in right now. Jesus is not our last hope. Well, I didn't know what else to do. So I, no, he's, he's not our last hope. He's our only hope. And we can try all these other things, but none of them can qual, um, satisfy or create the peace in our spirit that Christ can. So why don't we just start there? Rather than finish in there, why don't we just start there? We just say, Jesus, you are Lord. Well, I come here today uh, from Springfield, Missouri now. Easier flight quicker flight now than from Seattle. But I want to introduce my family. They are, they are praying for you whenever I travel anywhere in the nation or the world. They're, they're, sometimes it's a time change. So they prayed earlier. Prayers don't actually, like, they still last, right? So they might be sleeping right now, but they prayed for you. So my wife there of 27 years in the middle, that's Joanne. She is um, from Samoa, which is an island in the South Pacific. So she's Samoan, I'm Norwegian, so something is pillaged and burned every day at our house. So we have the two sons there, Josiah's on the right, call him Manchild, he's 6'4", and then just, uh, Justice is on the left, and uh, he's you know a little guy at 6'3". But uh, Justice is youth pastor at our hub campus there outside of Seattle. And I just, I introduced them because I, I, I am so grateful for the covering they bring, but also they bless me to be in moments like this. And I know how critical family is to the health of a, uh, a church. And so I'm here today with that blessing. Well, uh, let me just say this. We're going to talk about faith. Turn to the person next to you and say faith. faith. Some of y'all just, apparently, is the mic on? Because it sounded like seven people responded. Like, just go ahead and turn to the person next to you and say faith. Okay, so here's the thing. The moment you're about to step out in faith, fear rises up. Now, let me set it up this way. True story, 100% true. You can Google it later uh, or now if I get boring later. But um, I'm going to call him Lawn Chair Larry. He's a resident of, of Southern California. And he had come to a point where he said, I just got tired of sitting around. So I wanted to do something adventuresome. So he goes down to his local Navy uh, Army, Navy surplus store. He buys 75 used um, weather balloons that you fill them with helium, so helium balloons. He ties a launcher to the back of a truck. He ties all 75 of the balloons filled to the launcher, and he gets into the launcher. And he brought three things with him. He brought with him a peanut butter and jam sandwich. He brought a six-pack of beer, and he brought a BB gun. And then he told the person on the outside, release the ropes. And an onlooker said it was as if he was shot out of a, out of a cannon. And he just, now his plan was he'd drift up there for a little bit, enjoy the scenery, again, to see his community from a different perspective. And then when he wanted to come back down, he would just shoot out some of those balloons. Sounds like a great idea. Until you factor in this thing called wind. So he floats up there, and this is true, I'm quoting this, um, Two and a half hours into um, his adventure, he is in LAX airspace, and the, the pilot of a 737 um, plane comes on, <laughs> calls the tower, and he says, I see what looks like a perfectly still man lying in a lawn chair <laughs> with a rifle across his chest. <laughs> now, this was obviously quite alarming, right? So I don't know how this happened, but as it turns out, the, the um, SWAT team was able to lasso him somehow, bring him down to earth. 
and he was fined $4,000. That was later reduced to $1,400. And he he is now being interviewed by a local uh, reporter. And the reporter asked three questions. I'm going to give you Larry's uh, new life, filtered, edited Christian version of his response, okay? So here, here's the first question that was asked. Were you scared? And then what I can share of what he said was, yes, okay? <laughs> and then the second question was, would you do it again? That's a good question. And again, what I'm able to extrapolate from his response was, no. And so pretty, uh, a lot of other stuff he shared. But, and then finally, would you do it again? Um, again, he said no. But why did you do it? This is a good question. And here's his answer. I, he says, I just got tired of sitting around. And I read that, I thought, you know what? A person of faith, a man or woman of faith, a follower of Jesus, in moments might feel like, man, I just, I feel like I'm on the bench or I'm tired of sitting around. But most of the time when we're people of faith, living out our faith, activating our faith, you don't need to do something crazy. You just need to take a nap. Because when you're on 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 purpose with Jesus. You were designed for a purpose, right? And on purpose, your life is marked by faith. You, you interact with your neighbor differently. You, if, you, if you're a boss, you interact with your employees differently. If you're married, you interact with, with your spouse differently. And as people of faith, we know this, God invites us to join him on his mission to rescue and to redeem humanity. Now, faith is not something we have to um, generate or fake. God is the one who imports faith into us. The tension, though, is maybe, maybe uh, it's been a while. You gave your life to Christ maybe as a kid or maybe, you know, two, three, five years ago. And if we're not careful, what happens is you start with this zeal and this passion and this fervency. Isn't that true? And what happens is life starts to stack up on you circumstances. And I would say it this way. When you feel like you're being buried, maybe God's planting you. And he's establishing something in you to stir and to bring out your faith in a greater capacity. Well, the writer of Hebrews speaks to this faith statement and idea with such clarity. Here's what they write. It says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Let's go before that. Now, what is faith? Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Okay, so without faith, it's impossible to please God. What is faith? It's this confidence that God is working in ways even when we can't see it. Even when we're yet to see his hand, we know that something's happening behind the scenes. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Fast forward five verses. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Don't you want to please God? I mean, honestly, don't we? I, I want, even, even when I'm squirrely, there's something in me. It's like, man, God, I want to honor you. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great dad. I want to, I want to love people. I want to be on, live life on purpose for a purpose. There's something in, in me that wants to honor God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those. Don't we have a good God? He rewards those who, now your translation might say earnestly, but this says diligently seek him. Let me just ask this. What do you diligently seek? Some of y'all are prepping for hunting season. You, you, you seek diligently that prize buck. 
Maybe in the summer it was that fishing hole and you just, you know, you're telling a buddy. Maybe you're single and you are ready to mingle. You're like, I'm diligently seeking a spouse. In fact, I'd like to have everyone raise their hand if they're in that same place, right? I mean, you diligently seek something. And I would say this, uh, just to kind of overarching idea, that we wrestle with this tension that when I'm diligently seeking God, Psalms 37, 4, not on the screen, but it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So what happens is my prayers are now in alignment with God. So my faith is actually taking me down this track of honoring God. And what I used to pray, God, give me this, this, and this. God's like, that's not an alignment. But when I delight myself in the Lord, he gives me the desires of my heart. Faith living is the greatest kind of living in the, in, in the world. And sometimes you think, well, I'll just kind of plug God into my journey at this point, or I really need God now. And I would propose we always really need God. The tension that we wrestle with is the moment you say, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to operate in faith. I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to forgive that person that hurt me. I'm going to let go of an offense or a grudge that I felt. Maybe say, I'm, I've been on the bench, and I'm going to get in the game. I'm going to begin to serve. I'm going to find a place to minister and be a part of the team here. The moment you're about to step out, maybe say, I'm leaning into kingdom builders. I, I, I'm past the tithe. I'm, I'm going to lean in into generosity. The moment you're about to step out in faith, fear rises up. Well, what if, and how come, and what if? And this is the tension we wrestle with. Every one of us knows this, that faith and fear live right next to each other. You've got to decide which one you're going to invite in. It's not on the screen, but think about Peter when he's in the boat and Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter had grown up there in Capernaum and he's near the water. He's familiar with it. And how many times as a kid had he jumped off a dock and splashed into the water? He never saw someone jump in and then not sink. And here's Jesus just walking across the water. And he says to to Peter in the boat, come out here. Listen, faith and fear live right next to each other. The moment he's about to throw his leg over the railing in faith, fear's saying, what are you doing? For the one guy on the outside of the boat inviting him out in faith, there's 11 saying, don't do it. Faith and fear live right next to each other. And if we're going to bring the gospel into our community, into your neighborhood, to your coworkers and classmates, If we're going to see more churches, the local church expansion, we have to be people who choose faith over fear. I would say it this way. Fear paralyzes faith. And people who live in fear never enter the promised land. Let's have a conversation with Moses. Now, what's the tension that you live with right now in your own life? Where are you wanting to act as a woman of faith or a man of faith? I'll I'll, I'll help us with this just overarching idea that what gets our attention determines our direction. What gets your attention ultimately is going to determine your direction, but it also will determine your affections. You might sit here today and you say, listen, I've tried to live by faith. I I, I want to be a man or woman of faith, and I tried that, but it just seems like there's these constant hurdles and side, side routes and distractions, and I would just remind us to fix our eyes on Jesus. What gets our attention determines our direction. What gets our attention determines our purpose, I think, in life. And I, we learn to trust God by taking steps of faith, not steps of fear. And there are times where God says, wait, be still. But almost every time in Scripture, we know God is a go-God, 
not a no God. It's like, I want you to go here, Abraham, Moses, Joseph, Jesus. And he invites us, therefore, go and make disciples. That requires faith in practice. You and I learn to trust God by taking steps of faith, not by taking steps of fear. But let's just ask, who's our faith anchored in? Where is our confidence? Why can I operate with a, a sense of purpose and, and, and clarity? It's because of who our faith is in. And here's what we see in Scripture. John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Listen, we are just a few weeks from celebrating Emmanuel, God with us. That's Jesus. God loves us so much, He, he chose to not live without us. He became flesh. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, fast forward two chapters. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish. That's us. Whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. This is so full of hope. This is so full of purpose. This is so full of peace. It continues. He came from the Father full of what? Grace and truth. How does God interact with you and me? With grace and truth. And maybe you're here today say, I want to live by faith. Pastor, I want to live by faith. I, I, I want to be a man or woman of faith. But, and we have all these reasons why maybe we think we forfeited God's favor we want to be people of faith, but if you knew our story, if you, if you knew the last chapter, and I would say this, it's the last chapter, not the final chapter, right? It's the most recent chapter, and God's writing, he turns the page. That's what faith does. It turns the page, and it looks forward to the future. How does God interact with us? Grace and truth. So how should we interact with our coworker and classmate and neighbor and that family member that you're going to, they're an outlaw, but because they're an in-law, you're having Thanksgiving together in a few weeks. How do you interact with them? How about being full of grace and truth? And that's your faith putting on shoes and living itself out. I love what Jesus says about himself. He says, uh, I came to seek and save the lost. I love that the good news of the gospel is not for people who are already convinced. It's for those people who are outside of the building, outside of the walls of the church. It's one of the reasons why I love this church is it's not just what happens here. Out of the health of here, you're able to then bring the gospel to other places, spaces and places where the grace of God needs to be propelled. Jesus came, though, to seek and save the lost. What does that mean for us? It means that it wasn't anger that motivated him. It wasn't all of our sin. It was his love. Now, he dealt with sin by going to the cross and rising from the dead. But what motivated what him, what stirred him, was his great love for us. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. While we were seemingly far from God, Christ died for us. And what that reminds us is this, that broken people are God's specialty. You know, every one of us have something in common with everyone in Scripture outside of Christ, and that is that we're broken. Now, when I say broken, I mean in need of a Savior. 
in need of the healing, the supernatural um, presence and power of God to do in us what we can't do for ourselves. We, we say it this way. Sometimes we need outside help to experience an inward transformation. And that's who Jesus is, and that's what he brings. Why? Broken people are God's specialty. And I know some of you are seated here today, and you're thinking about your story or your friend or one of your kids, and you're going, and we ask this question because of that. Can someone be too broken? Can someone be too broken? Now, here's in this room, we know the answer is no. Or at least some of you are saying, I hope the answer is no. But let me declare for you, broken people are God's specialty. We ask that question by faith because it's your neighbor, it's your coworker, it's the lady doing the, the checkout at the grocery store that thinks maybe I could be too broken for God to put me back together. All the king's horses and all the king's men, you've, you've heard the nursery rhyme, couldn't put Humpty back together again. And that's how people feel broken. This is why your faith lived out so, matters so much because they see in and through you that Broken people are not only God's specialty, but you're actually a walking example of that. The gospel is this. It's good news. And I would propose to you, the gospel is good news for broken people like me. And sometimes, you know, professional pastor people like, the gospel, see my face, the gospel is good news for broken people. And then we forget to say about like me, and our face never gets the message. Like, I, don't, I mean, I, I heard what you're saying, but I don't think that your face knows about it, right? What if we just brought good news with us? What if we started with a smile? What if we, why, why can we do this? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our, our hope, our anchor, our, our, our foundation is in him. What did he come to, to us with? Grace and truth. Who is in us? Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is such good news. Why? Because the broken world's wondering, am I, am I beyond God's grasp? Have I for, forfeited God's favor? Let me ask, how many of you are um, cat people? Use your hands. How many are good people? I'm just totally kidding. Um, <laughs> what I mean by that is you're a dog person. Okay, we're dog people. Totally kidding. If you have problems, email your pastor. But um, I want you to see a picture. This is, this is our dog, Boog. Okay, isn't he cute? He's a pug and Norwegian elk hound. How that, he's here, okay? Okay, and now here's, here's his personality. Here's literally his wiring, and this, this is his divine design because God, you know, created these animals. He'll, he'll be asleep on the stool in our living room. And some of you have this, or you know what I'm talking about, Apple TV. And so basically you play songs from your phone, and it, it flows through your TV. And over a period of time, it, it stops, and Apple has these beautiful images that start to scroll on the screen. It's, it's mountains and meadows and these epic pictures, but it's also carnivores. Like, I think there's a leopard or a cheetah, there's a lion, there's a polar bear. And Boog, which he spends most of his day doing, sleeping on the stool... The moment, out of the corner of his eye, he sees one of these predators, all of the 1.7 pounds of him, jumps off the couch and begins to try to attack the TV, which is up on a stand. He can't get there if he had a stepladder. But his wiring, every time, is to go crazy when he sees these animals. The, the, actually, the, the Norwegian elk hound part of him, 
um, how God wired him. He, they would chase the prey until the prey was exhausted, and then you know, their hunter, their, their master, would get the prey. It's in him. Let's talk about God for a second. What's God's nature? How did Jesus come to us full of grace and truth? You say, every time? Every time. Say, what if, does he even know my story? He does, and he always responds to you and me with grace and truth. This is why we can have faith. This is why we can push aside fear. Because he who promised is faithful to us. There's a confidence that God brings. Why? God's nature is to be unchanging. And our invitation from God is this, to let our light shine before men that they might see our good deeds. And what? Glorify our Father in heaven. And glorify our Father in heaven. Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth to point people to the love of the Father. We join him on his mission We are like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. We put it on its stand so it gives light to the whole house. And in that way, we let our light shine before men. And I would say this, you let your life shine before men that they might see who? My goodness? No, God's goodness. That they might just get glimpses of faith in action. I believe this. God has strategically placed us at different places with the same purpose. And if Jesus is the Lord of your life, guess what? You join Team Jesus to bring the good news of the gospel everywhere you go. When we first moved into our house outside of Seattle, the same day we moved in, a young couple with two little kids, Justin and Amber, moved in next to us. And because we moved there to plant a church and we love Jesus, we wanted to engage and connect and build friendships and And they weren't a mission. They were just people we wanted to build friendship with. Well, Justin was very difficult. In fact, he would mow the lawn with a baseball hat on and a hoodie. Didn't matter how hot it was. And so I I had with him what I would call a a man-nod relationship, okay? When he would mow the lawn, I would mow my lawn, even if I had mowed my lawn the day before. Because I'm trying to connect with, this is how much I want to connect with him. And so I'm out there, and we're like, we're doing the man-nod relationship, and then, during football season, my boys are playing catch with the football in the backyard. The ball goes over the fence that divides our yards, and their gate was locked, so they couldn't get the ball. Amber, his wife, posts something. Hey, I think the ball's over here. I'll have Justin bring it over. And Justin comes to my front porch. This is man, not Justin, okay? He comes to my front porch, regular t-shirt, no hoodie, no hat, and he hands me the ball, and then he doesn't leave my porch. I'm like, this is weird. And then he tells me, hey, I just lost my job. And he begins to kind of share a little bit with me. And then I was like, oh, man. Now, you know what I didn't do? Quote scripture. I didn't say, you know, brethren, I beseech thee on behalf of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who on the third day, I didn't say any of that. I just listened. And then he said, hey, I know you got this church thing you guys do. We might come check that out sometime. And they showed up the next day. And he didn't like it. (laughs) This is back when we were meeting at a movie theater. And uh, his wife did. And so did their kids. And then Justin, I don't know if it was six months, eight months later, gave his life to Christ. And I baptized him. 
And now they lead a small group for our junior high ministry. You know sometimes what faith looks like? Being a friend. So I want to be a person of faith, but I don't have a whole chunk of scripture memorized. Well, first of all, you need to be in the word in order to be anchored in the truth of God, right? Men and women do not live by the bread alone, but by the word of God, right? The word anchors us. But I didn't quote a bunch of verses. I was just a friend. And sometimes faith just looks like this, being nice to people. Just living your faith in practical ways, being a person who's kind and gracious and you look a lot like Jesus then. Here's what I, I want to finish with. What does the gospel tell us? The gospel tells us a few things that I think if we are choosing this weekend to say, I want to be a, a, whatever campus you're at, I'm choosing to be a man and woman who is a person of faith, not fear. I'm reminded of the gospel's truths. And here's the first one. Broken people are God's specialty. And that means the person that maybe we stopped praying about because they're, faith journey went another direction, we keep fighting for them. We, we initiate, we, we reach out to, and as God prompts us by the Spirit, we show the love of God, and it could be as simple as be a friend. Here's the second one, and absolutely no pun intended, faith always trumps fear. Faith is always greater than, it's always, it's always larger than our fears. And sometimes, remember, what gets our attention determines our direction. So I say, I'm taking my eyes off my fears and I'm putting them on my faith because faith is anchored in who Christ is, not in who I am. I don't know what you're wrestling with today, hurdles or questions or um, things that seem heavy to you. What's heavy to you is light for God. And that's why we fix our attention on our faith in Christ, not on the fears of what could be. And here's this last thing. Every one of us have been strategically positioned in different places. You live in different neighborhoods, you have different jobs, you're in different schools and professions, but you have the same purpose, to be the light of the world, to live out the faith that God has established in us through Christ and to bring the good news of the gospel into every corner of our world. Whether you're planting a church whether you're training, training and raising up the next generation of leaders or you have this global outreach, you're bringing the good news of the gospel with you. In new life, you have a part in this mission. I want to say thank you for the generosity, for the kindness, for the prayer and the friendship. And collectively, we are part of something bigger than ourselves, the kingdom of God. I want to pray a blessing over us on every campus. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that the good news of the gospel would reach into the brokenness of all of our lives. God, you restore broken things. You bring hope and you bring healing. God, what the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, you said, I'm going to come and give you life and life to the full. And Lord, we pray that we would be people of faith, Lord, we pray even in anticipation of this kingdom builder movement and offering that we would get this stirring in our lives to play the part that only we can play. God, we thank you that broken people are your specialty because that's all of us. And today, would you, would you stir, would you ignite, and would you multiply the faith of this church? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.